Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is Wade. We are in the Rogers studio with Dan Block and Keith Peltjohn. Oh, yeah. Loving it. We uh, Welcome to 2021. Kind of glad to say that out loud, 2021. This is a super cool podcast because it's a informal 20 questions. We put out a release last week on Facebook on some topics and some questions that our customers wanted to hear, our listeners wanted to hear. And then uh, earlier this week, actually yesterday, this will air, will be two days behind, but we put it out this week, first week in January. I wanted to pick, I said, give me all your questions and I'm going to pick 20 of them. And we actually had way more than 20. Had to sort through. We had some repeats. But we're going to spend just a couple minutes on each one. We'll go around the horn. We have some very expert advice for those of you that are first-time listeners. Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. We keep it entertaining, and we keep it knowledgeable. And we give you a little insight of three pro shop guys as we go. So we'll just dive right in. And I'm not going to say uh, I'm not going to say who the questions were. I'm not going to who they were. Uh, again, I appreciate everybody. And if you did ask it, you're going to understand that. Again, we have a, a few repeats. But the first, number one, as we go around, is uh, four fletch versus three fletch on your hunting or target shafts, just arrows in general. And uh, <clears throat> we'll just we'll just kind of chime in, I guess, guys. I, I'll be dead honest with you. Two years ago, I thought four fletch was like the best of the best. Uh, I was kind of down the rabbit hole of Tim Gillingham and I thought everything that he said and everything Kyle Douglas said and some of the hunters out there like Johnny Dudley and I know we're name dropping here but that's where we that's where a lot of our customers are seeing it is YouTube and professional hunters and professional target archers but your personal opinion on it um, like I say two years ago I thought it was the cat's meow now I don't I'm scared to four fletch and so the philosophy in my opinion, air quotes here, people say four fletch creates more surface area. You can run a smaller vein, but you get more surface area. Your arrow will spin faster, correct faster, and be better for your broadheads, particularly fixed blade. In the realm, if you dissect that down, depending on how you're doing it, you can actually get a three fletch arrow to be spin faster than a four fletch you have less weight on the tail end of your arrow, which is exactly what we want because of the FOC craze. And so now I'm running three fletch and I run a, like a blazer style. It's called a boning heat vein, a little bit lower profile. It's, it's two and a half inches long. I run a helical or an offset, a little bit of both, to be honest with you. And I see just as much accuracy, just as much tight grouping, and my I shoot mechanical broadheads. But across from me, I have two guys that shoot fixed. What's your guys' opinion? Yeah, so I'm kind of like you. Um, we, or I, I played with the four-fletch just because I wanted to try it because everybody was talking about it. And it, I think it boils down to a lot of what we do in archery is see what works for you and your setup and what doesn't. So that's what I did. I just stood side by side and shot them. And played with different configurations and found out that for me the three fletch works better. Um, and I shoot fixed blades. And you shoot big fixed blades too. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not correct. 
well, you have, I should say. I yeah. don't know what we're going to run in 2021 yet, right. but you're a, a single bevel? Double uh, no, bevel. double bevel. But yeah, but a shoot. big two-blade with a bleeder. Yeah, with, you're yep. shooting a solid, right? I'm shooting a solid. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so, you found a three-blade. What size three? Like a blazer? Uh, so, yeah, so either or. So, like, I've run the blazers and I've run some of the um, Dan's favorite things. Um, but, <laughs> you can say it. Yeah, so, but, I mean, really with any configuration, I've found that the three, the three veins with the helical works better for me. Yeah. Dan, you've been in it twice as long as any of us, as far as in the pro shop and hunting, we've all been hunting the same amount of time. What have you found? Did you step I, into I the really, Yeah. So I actually, I ran them, um, probably mm, six, seven years ago when I was shooting slick trick magnums, which pretty much every slick trick is going to be a four blade system. Um, and I thought actually it did help. Um, if you have a four blade, I think it's just, you know, if you can try to index, um, everything up, it's just yeah, going to fly better. Too. Same with like a three blade, you know, yep. I think, I think you're better off shooting a, a three vein system with a three blade broadhead. So explain when you say index, like the yeah, spine so or indexing the broadhead, indexing the broadheads mm-hmm. with the, the blades with the veins. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I've had pretty good luck with it, but I think it comes down to the arrow system your bow um some bows might like a four blade system or a four vein system better than than a three so i really don't think that there's a right or wrong personally so that's interesting that you say that because <clears throat> i don't shoot fixed blades but it does that's it's been proven that that helps oh yeah let's say you have um okay a grim reaper or you said slick trick four blade mm-hmm. and you're so you fletch the arrow and then you're actually screwing the broadhead into the insert correct and then gluing the insert in so your blades are in line right helical or no helical right. but in line with your right are you doing that with your your uh, big broadheads to an extent but being there basically a two blade i can't really index right. all the veins right so i'll i'll just make sure they're all the same and, and in okay. my head it helps i don't know how mm-hmm. much it really makes a difference on those but it feels yeah. better you and know I, I, mean? I really think for the listeners out there there's no right or wrong it's like mechanical versus fixed you know the the advancements of it. I will say there are some veins out there that are quieter. Yeah. And if somebody wanted to challenge me in saying that a deer cannot hear the arrow, I'd prove you dead wrong. And I'd show you videos of that. Some veins are very, very quiet. Some veins, you have to go in and get your chemistry set from high school to put them on. <laughs> to make them stick. And <laughs> some are super licking stick. You just mm-hmm. slap them on and they rock. But I, I, I agree with the philosophy of keeping the tail end of your arrow lighter. Now, there's a question later on in the deal about lighted knocks. They weigh more. Wraps way more. Four veins way more. You got to, like you said, you have to test it out and tell us. You have to, tell, you have to let the bow tell you and your mm-hmm. broadhead. To, yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. Because field points, we can put on three blazers and we can go out to 80 yards and there's a flutter effect, but it's going to be accurate. Right. It's doing its job. Right. So walk lightly and go down the rabbit hole of veins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get creative with it. You know, that's a fun thing about archery. Exactly. You yeah. buy a dozen arrows right. or, or six arrows and fletch three one way and three the other way and go out and do some grouping. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're only going to spend a couple minutes on each question or we'll be here for two years. Uh, this is a real simple one comes from a very very good customer of ours it says uh, what tools do you need besides a press for your at home bow tech 
when I read this question, I went, just come to us. But it's becoming more and more popular for guys switching out D-loops. They don't have to come into the shop. Uh, maybe switching out some peeps. And the big thing in that question is besides a press. Yeah, sure. so yeah. yeah, yeah. So you need a D-loop material, um, D-loop pliers, um, serving for tying in peeps um, or even knock sets. Yep. Uh, what else, Keith? Uh, here. Serving jig. If you do a lot of shooting, if and you want to play, if yeah, you're going to play with center serving yep. diameter, a vice for checking yep. for second, third, yeah, levels, yep. And um, in in the realms of archery, you can get you can get in, increasingly expensive. Everything you go, but money does buy happiness. Let's just say, for example, if you're trying to do first, second, third access, there's tools to help you out. You may. You, you got to kind of know what you're doing on first, second, third access to set yeah. it up. And when I say that is you got to know is the bow level is, is where you're setting up level is your site. You know, there's a first and a second and third access. That would be in my mind, a D loop pliers. There are some better than others, but you can get by with a needle nose. Right. Yep. D loop material. We really like the BCY number 24. Also, number 23, a lot of target archers really like that setup. It's a 1.66 millimeter. Uh, and then serving material, we like the BCY 3D serving. Uh, I think it's the right diameter. Uh, there's a question later on about knock sets, so we won't go into that. But the serving material you need for your peep, um, don't leave your peep loose for an extended period of time. Right. You know, you can leave it loose and just tie around it so you can set it perfect. But yeah, that, that may basically a good Allen wrench set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, say if you have a press, you probably have the wrenches already, but yeah, yeah. It's something to think about. Really. And I like T handles for most of our stuff. Um, but we probably go through however many sets of Allen wrenches a year. Right. A lot. You wouldn't believe what we see in here. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it got a good Allen wrench set. Yeah. Made by Allen. Is that what probably our uh, number well, one? Well, we generally Pine, Pine Ridge. Pine Ridge. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, and then standard versus metric. You got to know that, and then you need torques for some products. Yeah, mm -hmm. mainly metric is just crossbow scopes and right that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right, my favorite hunting. We could talk a little bit about hunting, not so much techie stuff. Uh, gentleman that submitted this question shot a phenomenal deer this year, but he wants to know: Is he still young in the game? He says, "What are we doing? Are we hunting food, or are we hunting trails?" Or highways to and from food and bedding. Loaded question. It's, exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's all depending on the year. Mm -hmm. It's all depending and on the time, of, time year. of the year. Yeah, right, for sure. Right, right. Between you and me, from uh, let's just say you start in September in your western states, all the way probably till October nineteenth, twentieth, in there, I'm on a food source. Mm -hmm. Ninety-nine point percent of the time i'm on a food source because i can't get to the bedding area without spooking something right. right big bucks deer they bed they get up they're 50 yards they're on food they're not very far off of what you're going to go to now rut then i get kind of deep into the timber and put on some miles or figure out where i'm going yep you guys do the same thing exactly the same yep. now here's how about late season are you hunting the trails because the food source in late season is the key, correct? Yeah, if you don't oh, have a food source, it's tough. 
are you, because if they come out on the food source, let's say sunsets at five o'clock or shooting lights are done at five o'clock, are you hoping that they get out earlier? Or are you setting back up on the trails getting to the depends food? Depends how much time you have until end of season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it really depends on your situation. You know, are, is it your food you're hunting? Or in my case, is it the neighbor's food that you're trying to work with right so you, you know. have to abide by laws and and stay on your property and yep. you're right. hunting the trails exactly yeah so or yeah getting you're setting up getting in between them, right? yep, exactly. exactly get them get yep. them on the way and then the second half of that would you ever hunt bedding area boy that's a that's kind of there's some gray area there because yeah. i mean hunt in the bedding area you know try and get right in there no i yeah. i avoid it I get close, mm-hmm. you know, and it tends to, and like late season now with the snow on the ground, bedding changes, you know, especially the property where I'm at. Um, and you can, you can get in a lot quieter or depending on the day, you know, if the snow is soft, you can get a lot closer without right peg too. So, and I suppose on like public land, you're going to be, you know, there, I don't know very many people that are putting food plots on public because I don't think you can. <laughs> Well, so I've you're about it. that's a whole, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's that's kind of a whole yeah. That's a whole different podcast. Yeah. We've actually threatened to maybe do a podcast on public versus private. I don't know if we have the cojones bring, to do that. Bring but your gloves. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a fight. It'd be fun. But I think we answered that question pretty handily. Yeah. All right. Can you tune a bow for two different arrow weights? A heavy arrow versus a lighter arrow. Can my bow be tuned for both of those? Dan, I'm going to let you go first. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you have, <laughs> right. to, you have to see how it's coming out of the bow. And, I mean, it's... it's. Yeah. So there's a lot more to tuning than us taking you in the back room and standing at eight feet shooting it through paper. That's a start. Right. Um, all three of our bows, we could probably grab any one of those arrows and it's going to be pretty close through paper but that's not right that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to tuning there's 500 feet below the water level that you're not looking at group tuning french tuning all broadhead tuning you know those arrows will react different at 20 yards oh yeah so that's a back to like the veins you got to try it yeah and you're not gonna know i think Mm -hmm. part of that is what, what can you tune them so they come out of the bow the same or look good coming out of the bow and i would say yes yeah yes you can you can tune as long as you're not extreme right i'm not going 800 grains versus 300 right let's say five or or you can find a median and yeah it's it's probably not gonna be perfect both but and that's that's basics of cam adjustment right and left and your rest being center shot right your elevation where i would say you're gonna notice some stuff is your knock height maybe just Mm -hmm. a little bit different and you may run are. into, you know, different it, weight arrows, yeah, might be different spine. Yeah, depending if you're going different diameters. And yep. like I said, if you're going with a heavier setup, you're probably going to have a stiffer spine than something that's going to be a little lighter. And you right. might have more insert weight, which is going to change overall spine too. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, so in that, I think maybe you can tune, if you're if you're playing with some of that, maybe you can play with the spine of the arrow if you're trying to build them to the same one heavy, one light, and then yeah. mm-hmm. make the, you know, play with front, you know, front weight and stuff to get the spine right that maybe you get closer right my question would be for the customer is why why would you need you know like you said a a happy medium i don't think you need to have two different arrow builds 
going running at the same time. You can right. have one for early season. Yep. Versus late, but I don't. You know, my question it just is just sounds why. like more work than it needs to yeah. be. You got to find the arrow that's gonna be the best performer. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot more legwork. After you walk out of our door, that there's still a process. I believe that mm-hmm. you have to go. We take care of ninety percent of it. Yeah, you know. yeah, everything we can here. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was a kind of a vague answer, but it's a little bit of a vague question. This one will. Uh, this one will. This one will be challenging. Is brace height still important when buying a bow? A brace height. What is the ideal brace height for hunting? What is the ideal brace height for target archery? So, if you asked me 15 years ago, the average was seven inches, seven to seven and a half, and now six is by far the most common. That's going to be the new standard. So, right. I think that the bows have gotten a lot more shootable and tunable. Yeah, um, I agree. Than what they used to be. Um, so I I'd say six is the new standard. Um. I, do I think that if you go shorter, you can be sacrificed a little bit? Absolutely. Have it be hitting, you know, your your arm or whatever if you got heavy clothing on, or you might be more prone to torque it. Um, but six inches is definitely average, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I would say, so hunting aspect, there's absolutely nothing wrong with six. There's some speed bows out there that are shorter brace height. They have to be shorter to get the speed. Mm-hmm. You just have to be a very, you have to be articulating your shot. You can't be torquing. Right. Um, yes, a longer brace height will be more forgiving if you have an oops. But I think today's archer, even if it's a first-year archer, get some help from the pro shop guys on your form, your grip, and get that dialed down. But I would say for hunting, six, not a problem. For target archery, six and a half, seven is still very common, and I think it's going to always stay that way because you do need some forgiveness. Right. And there is something nice about just a big fat brace. Like mm-hmm. last year I shot that revolt, and that was seven, seven and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, you, hammer, something you hammered nice. with that bow. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. just something sweet about a big brace height too. I don't know Yeah, what it is about it, but I've always. I think forgiveness. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. It's very yeah. forgiving, and yeah. it's enjoyable to shoot. Right. It's just boom. Done. Yeah. And I think back to on average, I think like you get like the six inches. <clears throat> if you run into issues other than that, it's it's more gonna be form or clearance issues, like how you know how you handle the bow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think right. yeah, like you can get away with any of it. I mean, that's the reason they build them that way now. Mm-hmm. Question number six. We're only on number six. Oh boy. Wow. <laughs> uh the term rabbit hole in arrow building is becoming more and more common. Um we have to walk softly on this. But the question is, how far down the rabbit hole do I need to get for arrow tuning for whitetails? Second part of the question is, what is your process for indoor versus outdoor? So it's two questions. Let's tackle the whitetail arrow build first. As far as arrow tuning, we covered it a little bit. Start, build your bow. <clears throat> Paper, you have to make sure that it's coming out perfect, give or take. And then <clears throat> your your arrow tuning, do you guys broadhead tune? I do. Mm-hmm. Do you guys walk back tune? I don't. Neither do I. So walk back tuning, for those listening, if you set your 20-yard pin, you go to 
20 yards and you shoot have a string with a weight on the bottom hanging on a target that's big enough for you to cover your basis you're going to start at 20 you shoot your arrow at 20 you're always going to use your 20 yard pin you walk back to 30 use your 20 yard pin aim at the same spot your arrow is going to be four or five inches lower go to 40 yards use your 20 yard pin your arrow is going to be four or five inches lower than that all the way back to whatever your desired 50 60 you're going to notice if your arrows tail off to the right or if they tail off to the left or they could be perfect <clears throat> if you make a bad shot you have to admit that you have to go pull the arrow that's what walk back tuning or french tuning is it can help you by micro adjusting your rest ever so slightly that's process number two but then what happens is you put a broadhead on your broadhead i don't care who you are i don't care what broadhead it is it planes different than a field point so you're back to the process so walk back tuning i think for target archery absolutely because you have the arrow builder you're going to do for hunting there's more process it's called broadhead tuning and once i have my broadheads tuned i'm done now i'll check it periodically throughout the year but that's my basis right yep. you guys do anything more than that no yeah i just yeah uh, i tune i broadhead tune until i bring them together my field points and my broadheads <clears throat> together and yeah and, go. and if it's um severe enough then i'll spacer tune my cams depending on what bow i'm shooting right um so i don't have to move my rest as much but some bows don't have that luxury though either so yep there's you're you're manipulating the cam right to help and that goes further than paper i don't know if we can stress that anymore than we already have but paper is a start it's a good start but it's a start sure uh for indoor i can answer this I guess, Dan, you shot indoor for a while, too. I get the fattest arrow that I can shoot legally, mm-hmm. and I run it through paper to make sure it's okay, and then I just shoot it, and I just shoot it. Indoor is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> outdoor, it's, there's a stipulation here. We have outdoor field. You have to see what is legal. I shoot the fastest arrow that I can. So like ASA, when we go, or you're 3D archer, and you shoot the hunter class. Right. But you still have regulations that you have to follow. Right. 300 feet per second, or is, yeah. it, is that what it is yeah. in bow hunter? So you can't be over that. So you right. have to build your arrow accordingly or drop the weight. Yep. Um, same thing for ASA, any of the open A, B, or C, known 45, known 50, and the open pro, there's a feet per second that you have to stay under. So you, you build your max diameter that you can shoot at that speed. And then, of course, wind and everything. And I assume you're not shooting a 27 series arrow. Nope. For no, both I actually, no, I, I actually usually shoot the micros. Like, I mean, it's giving stuff up. but. And I'd say if you're shooting 3D where you have some wind, uh, why not? Right. It can be, you're hitting the same spot. Right. It's just if you're going to catch you're, a line. Oh, I, yeah, it catches me for sure. Right, does it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> All right, number seven. Oh, goodness. What broadhead are you guys shooting, and are you getting paid, or are they free? I can answer the last part of that. Nothing. We, <laughs> right. we be honest, we're not, we're not shooting for a company. Right. Um, we're part of the pro shop. We shoot what we have here, but we're not getting paid to shoot. No. Right. Uh, free items. Yeah, you might get a free pack of broadheads from a rep. Sometimes the ones that we get free here, they stay over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Um, I can. I'll, I'll say what I'm shooting. I actually have to ask that. Can we say what we're shooting? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I shoot the Rage. I shoot a Rage two blade hypodermic, uh, no collar, and knock on wood, I haven't had any problems. I've never had any of the horror stories about pre-deployment. I think the no collar is an absolutely great design. It is two blades. It's a huge wound channel in and out. Uh, I have experimented with some other. I'm shooting a rage for whitetails and muleys and antelope. For turkeys, I shoot a huge four-blade over-the-top Grim Reaper, and I don't shoot at the heads. Okay. I shoot at the body. I'm body shooting my turkeys. I don't care. I don't want my arrow to go through. If it does, it's still a huge, huge cavity right? or a huge wound channel. Well, breadheads are you shooting, Keith? We already said, but yep. yeah, the solid legend, uh, hundred grain with a three quarter inch bleeder, and uh, really just I I'm a fixed blade guy for the most part. I do like some of the like that no collar this year is really a, a nice improvement on those rages, um, but uh, I'm a little bit shorter draw length, and I end up I don't know. I get part of the broadhead tuning, like we were talking yeah. about that earlier. That's some of the fun for me when it comes to archery. So. Um, I go through the process and get those dialed, and they're very sharp and strong broadhead, and they fly really well. So, absolutely, I was shooting those out to eighty this year with my field points. So, which I can, I actually watched it. Yeah, I can say that he's not fibbing none. He's <laughs> very, very accurate shooter with it. <clears throat> A little disclaimer: we're in the shop. The shop has open doors and phones that ring. Uh, once in a while, one of us is going to step away from that. Uh, to answer the phone or to help a customer, but we're giving you the in the feel of the shop. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be pretty cool. Um, as far as to answer for Dan, um, I know that he shot slick tricks in the past. He's also dabbled with the Grim Reapers a little bit. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know about this year. I know last year he shot the Striker V2, the G5. Yeah. He had some, Pretty cool success with that. Yeah, shot his buck in Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah. Yeah, we were kind of answering the question for you a little bit. Sure. Uh, we said that you shot slick tricks and you shot the G fives, Grim yeah. Reaper. I know that you had for a while. Like your Hades, I've shot yeah. those before. Yeah, so a lot of slick trick in the past. Um, this uh, two years ago, I shot a Striker V two. Yep. Which is a big uh, three blade fixed head, um, inch and a quarter. And then last year I shot, oh, what did I have my quiver? My Actually, my main brought it was a, a G5 Mega Meat. Okay. Late expandable. Yep. First expandable I've shot since 2013. Yep. And then for turkeys, the same thing. Keith? I don't know yet. Uh, this is going to be your first year. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to steer Keith away from what he's shooting. Maybe. 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 Dan, white I know you white, yeah. white tail special. Very similar to, yep. well, actually, what I'm shooting is called a white tail special, but it's made for the shop, correct? Correct. It's yeah. a four blade compared to three. Yep. 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 So we're shooting the same there. Um, and again, I'm going to stress, we're not getting paid by any of those companies. And there's a new company out called B3. It's not new, new, but it's new. They have some pretty cool looking. Yeah. And cool thing about B3, so they're actually not just not like a no-namer out there. They're actually the original owners of Scott Archery. Right. So they've been in the business before. Um, but they have like that new Destruct um, three-blade fixed. Mm-hmm. That's a nice-looking head. Wicked-looking. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Flies exceptional. Mm-hmm. Thick and blades. Thick blades. In America. And they have some expandables too. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. Yeah. Broadheads. And a whole nother podcast. 
<laughs> this will be real quick. What releases are shooting and why? Hmm. Right now, I ended up at the end of the year with my True Fire Hardcore hook style. But I Ind- shoot index finger. Yep, index. Yep. 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 Um, I just kind of went back to it. I don't know. I've got a pile of them and they work. I shoot a, I shoot a hinge, a thumb button, and a, and a wrist strap throughout the year. So, right. Daniel? Um, Scott hinge and then um, that true ball hinge that you're letting me play with. Actually, yep. I bought it from you. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> I was going to say, hey, de- depending on, <laughs> yeah, depending on how the year is going for me, like I shot my turkey last year with, uh, with a hinge. Um, and then for hunting, I'm actually using, um, a Scott, um, wrist. Okay. But I, I shoot, it depends on the day. I <clears throat> dabble with some on command or a thumb, I, I'm not going to lie to anybody. If, if I'm shooting a thumb, it's a command, but it's a controlled command. Uh, sometimes my longer distances I can hold steadier with a three. It's a three-finger true ball thumb release. I have the stand perfects long neck. Mm-hmm. Very, very precise on customizing it, and also I love the internal part of it. And I, But I, I have a problem with getting excited. And the one thing that can control that is a hinge. Um, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, so we don't need to elaborate. But I'm shooting a hinge almost all the time. Almost all the time. So that's uh, basically what we are. What are we going to continue shooting? I'm not. I don't see anything. I might shoot a new hinge. You know, there's some new ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, I, and um, I'm funny because I like my, I go back to that wrist strap, you know, and it's an easy way to be punchy. And then, mm-hmm. so I actually build travel into it. So I have to work through the shot. Right. And for some reason it, it just keeps working. I don't know. I love it. Um, this is very, this is kind of cool that we're talking about releases because we have a customer walking in the door right now. Great customer, uh, knows a ton about what's going on. He's bringing in a re, uh, release for us to look at. Um, so we will just kind of, we'll kind of dabble on that a little bit. There's a new phenomenon called resistance releases. It's not new. I shouldn't say it's new. Right, right. They are making, Trueball makes one that is a wrist strap trigger release that you can shoot like a resistance. When I say resistance, you, you activate a safety, you deactivate a safety and you pull through. Yeah. And it's based um, on weight, right? Yeah. You, know, you can set them to whatever weight you want them to go off at, right? So you set the weight pertaining to your holding weight of your bow, not 70 pounds. Yeah, it's clarification. (laughs) When you're you're holding weight at full draw, at a 29-inch draw with 85% mods, are you holding 11 pounds? You'd set your release for probably 15, 16 pounds, and then from there you go on. So that's becoming pretty cool. True balls come out. I don't know if there's other companies. I do know there's another company <laughs> coming out. Um, but we, that's I'm a clarification is in the shop here. We don't sell consumer direct. So when we're name dropping brands, we're pretty specific and we know what works. Uh, so it'll be interesting. We haven't got our hands on that new one. Right. Yeah, we're talking about the wrist strap resistance from mm-hmm. True Ball. We are going to get one or a couple of them to just see, you know, but I think that helps for guys that have target panic that you cannot beat. 
that's what you need to go to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, does he need me? Okay. What is shop life like? Do you hunt or shoot all the time? <laughs> uh, shop life. I'm probably the newest guy to full time here. Yeah, I'm right with you. This is the coolest atmosphere in the world to work. Uh, you see all different styles of customers every day. <clears throat> you're learning something. You're learning how to handle situations a little bit different. Dan, you've been in this for the longest. Or second longest in the company, or third besides second. Jake. Brandon, yeah. yeah. Second, and then Jake's obviously the, the longest, yep. Right, but you, what's shop life like? It's different. Yeah? Yeah, it's a good job, though. It's uh, it's fun, and um, obviously every job has its um, flaws to it, but mm-hmm. this is a, it's been a fun job, you know, and been very lucky to make a living out of it. Been very fortunate, so. And we're we're passionate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we talk a little bit about fishing, but we're a lot of our conversations in the shop is how to become better. Archery, yeah. What are we doing to get better? What right. stand placement? What equipment are we using? You know, it's it's cool to get to play. Yeah, yeah. it really like is. I, said, very, I think we're all very fortunate, and yeah, absolutely, we got a great guy to work for too. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very very cool. Yeah, and like one of the you know. You mentioned flaws, but like some of the perks, you know, besides yeah, it, working in the shop is like for us, like one of the biggest things for us that makes us smile is when customers come in and are successful and, mm-hmm. you know, come yeah. in with a 160 inch rack in their hand and we get to right. kind of live through that a little bit, even though we don't, maybe don't get to hunt as much as we used to, mm-hmm. but right. we still get a piece of it all the time and right. it's pretty cool. And when I say flaws, I mean like no, every job has, um, it's, it's a not, job. At it's the not end of the day. always yeah. like, hey, there's some work. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't get work. When yeah. someone brings in a crossbow that's blown up to shreds, they think that we can just send it off and and hide it. It there's it's work, right? You got to dissect a yeah. problem and figure out the problem and then go from there. But yeah. otherwise, it's yeah, it's a fun job. Oh, yeah. it's, it's awesome. something new every day. It's not you're not doing the same thing every single day. There's right. always something new, which is what makes it fun and adventurous. And yeah, yeah. do we hunt all the time? No. Do we hunt? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dan does our scheduling here in Rogers and is very, very, it's a very comfortable feeling because we can just kind of request. I will tell the, say this for people that think, are we busy? Our busiest time of the year starts in June and goes until November. Am I right? Or, yep. I mean, we end can narrow June, it down. Yeah. June, June's June. actually really slow for us, but um, towards the end of June, yeah, 4th of July or is kind of the turning point. So, like, we're not out of the shop during busy season. Right. Um, so there's really no, once in a while, a guy will sneak away for a day or two. Right. But uh, busy season is like the old saying, make hay when the sun shines, mm-hmm. and that's when we're working. Yeah. A lot more than just selling bows. Restrings, fixing yeah. arrows. I mean, there's a lot of uh, nights where it's, you know, we're here till midnight. Oh, yeah. Yep. Eating pizza and... You know, <laughs> it's it that I would say if anything, it does get long those three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all worth it. In the end it now, is. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got to get your boots laced up. Right. Uh, do we shoot all the time? I shoot. I still nothing has changed on my is even with the covid and the range being shut down. Uh, we can shoot. We can. We, yeah, nothing has changed for that. No. Our days off. We're shooting. I think they were kind of it. It's a pretty comical customer that was uh discussing that 
he, he, I think he was leaning on, you know, do we get sick of it? So like when we go home, do we, is it still archery 24 seven? Not always. Yeah. I mean, when I'm, when I'm off, I, I shoot my bow a little bit, but yeah, there's, you know, just like, you know, well, the guys yeah, are really listening like to yeah. other yeah. stuff. Yeah. I got to mow my grass and I got to, I got to do landscaping and clean the garage and, and we got to fish. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 we all like to fish you know. here, so. and we do other hunting than archery as right. well. You know, well, we're the other, outdoorsmen. The other part of that too is you you kind of get your fix while you're at work. Right. You know, it's the same stuff you still want it every day, but you get you get your piece of it here, and may not have to spend as much time at home. So I'm going to let you guys run with this one here, real quick. Question number ten is where perfect timing. Why Sitka, and is it worth it? All right, so you guys hammer that. And I'll be right back. I think it's worth it. It's there an investment, go. though. I always tell customers when they come into the shop, um, yeah, and they're looking at the pricings, and it is expensive. Um, it is. You know, if, if you can honestly piece away at it, um, put a certain amount aside every year, and just, you know, every year just get something a little bit different. Have, have it be base layers one year. or Exactly. You know. Build your system as you go. Right. Um, you know, fit. I think overall fit. There's no weird loose areas to it. The fit's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was one thing that when I started wearing Sitka, I couldn't believe it just, it works. Like, it, it's almost like you had it fitted, Right. you know, yep. if you find the right size, it works. And then it's versatile. You know, you, like, honestly, I've been wearing my Stratus all year. I haven't even been in my Fanatic yet because it's right. been a mile, you know. Right. So, like, I can yeah. wear that in early October, September, maybe if it cools off, you know. And wear it, you know, if you can get two months out of one piece. I think the Stratus is by far the most universal piece that they have yeah yeah i agree um and even like i i bought a cloud burst uh probably quite a few years ago actually for a fishing trip in may up at winnie oh yeah and uh everyone at the sh- at, at basically camp made fun of me for spending <laughs> 700 dollars on a on a rain suit but i was only dry one after a couple of days right so, yeah it paid um, for itself right yeah the last laugh there so i think a lot of their pieces um it's it's well worth it have it be um, merino base layers or anything with wind stopper um, absolutely the rain systems are are great too so yeah yeah and that is that wind stopper is amazing and, and that's where one reason why you can wear the stratus as long as you can because just getting the wind off you and then you layer up underneath i mean you're it, you can wear that for you mean all of it all of it works right. which is nice did you guys say it just looks incredibly awesome? Well, it looks super sweet i mean i gotta look good well yeah i'm walking out there <laughs> Everyone knows that deer will see me. Some buck over there, he's he's got good equipment. I'm going the other way. Elevated two versus subalpine. Did you guys talk about that? The different camo patterns? Subalpine is designed, you can find this all on Sitka's website, is designed for under 50 yards on the ground. Elevated two is designed for an elevated platform above so many feet. It's just the digi, the optifade, the way that it's patterned. Um but yeah, Sitka. Yeah, I'll we, never go back. We tend to see, you know, the subalpine stuff more for guys going out west, and uh, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a few pieces of open country <clears throat> yeah. too, which is yeah, cool yeah. Pattern too. Mm-hmm. My rain jacket's open country. Right. I love it. All right. Uh, what boots do you guys wear, and why? Simple. I'll I'll answer my setup. I use the Lacrosse Alpha Burleys all of my whitetail hunting and all of my turkey hunting. If I'm not putting on miles, if I'm walking out to a blind or if I'm walking out to a tree stand, Alpha Burley is where it's at. On the opposite side, if I'm putting on some miles, I just stepped into the Crispies this year. 
Um, I've, I've dabbled for a long time. Are they worth it? Are they not worth it? Um, they're very, very comfortable. I can't say because I haven't put them besides walking around here in the shop and back and forth up the driveway. I don't know. I know it's a very, very credible company. I know it's a very, very well-made boot, but them are my two that I'm wearing Mm -hmm. now. Gotcha. Yeah. I got Crispin and Nevada's, which is going to be a leather, uh, boot uninsulated. Uh, so mule deer hunting antelope, that's what I run. No hot spots. Fits awesome. And you put on a lot of miles yeah. on your boots when you're hunting out right. west. Even here, you put on right. miles. Um, and then same thing, lacrosse, alpha burleys around here. I mean, honestly, I wear leather boots in Minnesota 100% of the time. You're not worried about scent or nothing. You take and you're, you're spraying down. You're not wearing them for other stuff besides. Like, you're not going out and cutting wood. Uh, Are you? I always wear them, yeah. <laughs> Just because they're that comfortable. They're comfortable, yeah, and I think a lot of people think that a rubber boot is um, it constricts airflow and blah blah blah. Actually, I think they're really comfortable. Yeah, they, they're they're definitely not as breathable mm-hmm. as other boots out there. But I I slip them on all the time. Have it be feeding the deer in the backyard or or whatever. So yeah, yeah. And I I go back and forth. Like when I'm out west, obviously I'm in hikers. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've worn Danners in the past. Um, this year I'm going to the Crispies. I haven't done it yet. Haven't had experience with them yet to talk about, but that's that's my move right. this year. And then, uh, really, yeah, lacrosse, or I've even got some old Cabela's rubbers that I wear for early season, you know. And now, you know, with some of our, like, the mobile warming stuff, like the rubber boots, even if they're not big, yeah. insulated, you know, yeah, I, you can get through pretty much the whole season with those, like, insulated socks or the electric socks, and that, yep. they work really well. I think that it's a phenomenal product. Yeah. Mobile warming heated socks. We got pants. We got vests. But as far as your footwear, you can wear a lighter boot. Right. Uninsulated if you wanted mm-hmm. um, and not have a problem. Right. And I do know that works because I did do it this year. Right. Yeah, they work slick. And if you guys ice fish, <clears throat> that helps oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick, knocking points. Super simple. You can tie one above or below your knock. What it does is it makes sure there's no string pinch at full draw. Longer axle axle bows, you're going to have a little bit more forgiveness where you can run top and bottom. I would say anything under 33 inches, I only run a bottom knock set. Puts pressure on your arrow, keeps it on the rest, no string pinch. You guys agree? Yep, I go back and forth. Sometimes I won't run one at all. Yeah. And that's it, it, absolutely yeah. And I think perfect. it depends on your arrow, too, and knock mm-hmm. size. Yeah, a lot of the D loop pliers, if you are running a 204 diameter or bigger, you really don't need to. Right. Yep. Um, if you're shooting something smaller, yeah, maybe. Yep. And the, the one thing that I'll say is if you come in and we set up your bow and you request a knocking point or we put one on and we ask you, and we always ask, all three of us, four of us in the shop, we say, what knocks are you shooting or do you have your arrow? And then they come back in three months later and they have a nocturnal on. Mm-hmm. Right. There's going to be a difference. Right. So For sure. you need to let us know, hey, I'm shooting nocturnals. And most guys are pretty good or yep. they have them on there because we do create spacing a little bit different. Right. A lot of times if guys are running, let's say I, I sell a 31 inch bow and they're not, they're using nocturnals. I'll run just a D loop. Mm-hmm. Yep. And right. nothing wrong with it. I create right, right. the spacing. We tie it to the length you need. A general, so then there would be no knocking points on a thicker knock. Yep. With smaller yeah, knocks. Yeah, actually, I said that backwards. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, so knocking points easy. Uh, let's skip. Let's skip around here just a little bit. Um, do we want to even tackle the question? All all the question was front of center question mark. 
I think we can answer it in about 30 seconds. Some. Some front of center <laughs> right. is good. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I personally, I run, depending on my setup, 50 to 75 grains of just insert weight. So do I. Yeah. 55 yeah. is what I got. I run, like, so <clears throat> just to, to break it down on what everybody's looking at and hearing and reading and YouTubing and, in my opinion, what I've found for me works the best, like, 14 to 16, 17 tops percent. Percent, yep. front of center. Yep. And the phenomenon started with guys that hunt hogs at a certain distance. Then it carried over to everybody everywhere. Mm -hmm. We actually had to do, we had to take a couple days and do some research and do some arrow builds because none of us were very, we never went down that rabbit hole. I guess you could say we didn't, we didn't approach it that way. We've got close and I'm not talking adding a 50 grain insert outsert because that is ideal. I believe, I mm -hmm. think that's great. Even 75, depending on your arrow build. But the guys that are adding 300 grains out front, we had to learn that technique. We had to learn what they want because we still build arrows, you know, all the time for guys. We're not shunning that. But the question was front of center. The breakdown of it, you can look it up and get very detailed. We have a gentleman that works up in Brainerd. His name's Jason. He is a genius when it comes to numbers. He did a bunch of testing. There's proof out there that sometimes an 800 grain arrow is not beneficial compared to a 425 grain arrow. Are you getting more penetration? Are you losing kinetic energy? Well, and that I think that boils down to like where I say some. So front of center in the in the heavy arrows sometimes, unfortunately, get mashed into the same right. category, yeah. and yeah. you can have one without the other. And that's what I do. You know, I'm running a 430 grain arrow, and Right. You know, I'm at 16% FOC and they mm -hmm. fly beautiful and I can shoot to a hundred and you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think we're all very, very similar in our arrow build because we know what works. Yeah. We dabbled with some heavy arrows this year and for me, it didn't work. Um, that's just, I'm not, I'm not going to. Yeah. And I've, I've had luck in the past with that. Um, and like I said, I think there's a big difference between what we're talking about FOC and then just overall arrow weight. I think they're right. that's yep. kind of a, like a, a loaded question again. Um, something also just overall arrow weight too, just if people want to just read up on it and just hear a different opinion, um, Joel Maxfield mm -hmm. on P Facebook, he, he actually works. He was like the first, I think he's the first that, employee of that Matthews Matt, that Matt yeah. ever had Matt McPherson. Um, and he actually had a couple good posts on there too. Yeah, really good. So like in depth, not yeah. one sided. Right. He had all of it laid out. Yeah. Very easy to follow. Yeah. 400 up to 800. I want to <clears> say grain weight and yeah i mean I, I think just do your research and take everything kind of with a grain of salt see what works for you and roll with it you know yeah and just like everything don't be afraid to play I and mean, we're happy to help you um we're and we're we're going to tell you what works for us and what we know mm -hmm. and, and and you know we can work with you on whatever right and you guys know the customer i'm going to talk about i'm not going to single him out um <clears throat> he has some hunters in his family that are very low weight he runs an extremely heavy arrow but he knows that he's not shooting past 20 yards. They are mm -hmm. not. He is, but they are not. Yep. They hunt in a very tight area where deer come in, and it's 20 yards or less. Absolutely, if you mm -hmm. know your yardage. Right. Um, I wrote this question down. That it was actually directed to you, Dan, about nose jammer, your ideas of it, 
do you use the product and how do you use the product? Yeah, so I've used it um, when it first came out, so 2012, I want to say. Um, used it actually down in Kansas with, with Jake. Um, and actually quite a few decent deer coming downwind. And uh, I, uh, I think it does work. I think certain situations you might get busted. Um, I wash my clothes in it. Um, I do use their deodorant stick 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the smell of it. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, it's all basically the, the idea behind it is when a deer browses, um, it gets little concentrations of vanillin. It's just an organic compound. It's in everything pretty much. Um, when a deer browses and that basically, um, that's what nose chamber smells like is vanillin. It's just basically a high concentration. So it's supposed to essentially, um, jam up their, their system. Sensory organ. Right. right. Yeah. So I uh, will say, and it was, I think you answered that perfectly. Sometimes less is more. Like I would not cover your entire torso and your legs and everything. A little bit does a lot. Right. I think, I think honestly spraying it on a tree and your boots work the best. Um, but I do think that nose jammer can kind of make your clothes feel a little sticky. And, um, right. so when I use it, I spray it at the base of the tree. I spray it, um, up in the tree around the base and then also on my boots. And then I just leave it at that. I love it. Question number 17 um garmin sites do you use them please be honest i do dan does you have for two years now three this, this will be, be the third, third season yeah uh the boss man does yep yep he loves i it. have not i've i've set up a ton of them i've played with them in the shop i think they're bomb proof but i haven't used it in the field just being honest yeah yeah same with me they work very well like i've seen them set them up and they're, i think they're an awesome concept um Dan, you I love have, yours. I love it. I know Jake, Jack. Jake says he won't. Jack has it. one for Minnesota. Right. I, yep. I think that I would rather shoot a couple year older bull and have a Garmin on it, honestly. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's slick. I mean, you hit a button. It tells you how far away something <clears> is. It drops a pin to where you need to shoot once it's calibrated. That's, that's it. Yeah. You don't have to carry range finder. And, you know. I, w- I will say um, I finally made a decision. My Minnesota archery turkey bow, I'm going to have a Garmin. Nice. I'm going to try it uh, because they can move at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still testing the waters. I'm not going to have long, incredibly long shots. But everyone knows that a turkey in a matter of seconds can move from 25 yards into 15, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try one for turkey hunting. Sure. Um, know your regulations. Know your state regulations. A lot of West states still do not allow those. Right. It's going to be the first question that we're going to ask you. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, but we do, people ask all the time, will you guys ever sell any of these? Well, absolutely. But uh, these guys are, we're just going to work here. Just a little bit answering some calls and some customers in the shop. We uh, are on question number 17, now 18. <clears throat> I'm going to help you on this. Uh, a couple questions that I can answer individually. question we had was, how do you duplicate buck fever? And the simple answer to that is you do not duplicate buck fever. You can set up 3D targets. You can have your wife talking to you. You can have your buddies with a $100 bill on the line. That puts pressure 
on you, but it does not duplicate what you're feeling when you have a target animal. And I don't care if it's a doe, if it's a, a young buck, or if it's a buck that you're going to put on the wall. <clears throat> Something happens to the human brain and the body that hopefully all of your practice all off season is going to take over. If you wanted an answer to the question, you're not going to duplicate buck fever, but you can get pretty close. Shoot with some buddies, shoot tournaments, shoot leagues to where we put pressure on you. You put pressure on yourself as far as scoring better, doing better. And uh, it's very easily, you, you get better. And I'll be dead honest. I'm a target archer, been doing it for a long time. <clears throat> when you get into a shoot-off position or you get down to that last arrow that's going to set you in first place or put you in the money or even to beat your buddies that you do your the the big bad scary target panic will show up the anticipation will show up to get the shot off that's where practice 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 and preparation hopefully takes over some guys have ice water running through their veins and then you have five bucks in a year come through and they never ever flub on one every one of them is a perfect 12 ring shot and they harvest their animal 60 yards so you'll never duplicate buck fever but you can help aid in the pressure to get you there question number i don't even know where we're at now 19 we had a question on <clears throat> the what are your opinions on the new matthews v3 31 versus the v3 27 we actually have a podcast coming out from matthews or with the matthews guys so i'm not going to elaborate a whole bunch <clears throat> you're going to just have to shoot it Matthews came out with a new line or a continuation of their line, a new product for 2021 called the V3. They have a 31 axle axle bow and they have a 27, which is a very subcompact same riser as we've seen in the VXR 31 and a half and the 28, but it's over parallel limbs to set our axle to axle different or shorter. So you honestly have to, Keith, what I'm asking, a uh, question was, what's your opinions on the Matthews V331 versus the V327? And I was just, I was explaining that we have a Matthews podcast coming up. Okay, yep. <clears throat> and that we are going to, uh, we'll elaborate on the differences between the two. But honestly, you have to shoot them. Sure. You have to tell us what feels better. Well, I think a lot of that boils down to application too. Mm -hmm. You know, like for, like when people ask me, I always you know, are you hunting out of a box blind? Are you hunting out of a ground blind a lot? Maybe you want to look at the 27, depending on yep. also limitations with draw length, you know, that'll yeah, make a that, difference. And that a lot of specs, you know, if you come in and you're 31 and a half inches or 31 inches, you're probably not, you can't shoot the 27. Right. Um, <clears throat> the 31, I, I, it says, please give your honest opinions. Oh, got it. Yeah. I think they, I don't know how they keep doing it. I don't. I'm very excited to see the new products from Bowtech and Hoyt and Elite had a great, great run. Prime's got new bows. But somehow they took the VXR, which let's just be honest, like you didn't really have the success you thought you were going to have with the VXR. Right. But now your V3. Yeah, instantly you, pick it up. And you love it. Love yeah, it. It's yep. a, a, a snitch different cam. Right. I think it's smoother. Yeah, and that's I what it boiled down to for me. It was phenomenal just, holding. Yep. I, I, I don't know how they do it, but right. they did it. And that's my honest opinion. Um, I shoot the 31. I'm a 29-inch draw. I shoot 72, 73 pounds. Yep. It's just a, it's a great product. 
But on the sense of that, <clears throat> we, uh, we have one question left, but we're getting super busy here, <clears throat> as you guys can hear, and we do apologize about that. But uh, I think we're going to, as many questions as we had, I think we're going to do this about every two months, just a 20 question. We won't duplicate anything. But uh, I encourage you guys, the, the last question that we're going to finish on is, uh, it was particular to shops, the archery country, and uh, the experience coming in and out of the shop. It was more of a comment, but I wanted to throw it in there, <clears throat> especially for customers out there that, that maybe buy online. Um, they don't get the pro shop experience. One of the key things that we are very, very, very proud of is in the pro shop, you have at any time, there's three to five professional pro shop bow technicians in the house. So what you get out of that is not only our experience, but you get the ability to, we can customize the bow in any way, shape, or form. We can help you out with accessories. We can help you out with rests. We can help you out with arrows. We can answer stabilization questions. We can answer any case. You know, I'm traveling. I'm here. Um, Keith, he's come back with us now. We're talking about pro shop experience. It was a, a little bit of a comment asking about what they can expect when they come into a pro shop versus a big box store. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, and the nice thing, too, I was, saying, I was just catching tail into what you were saying there. Having three or four guys here um, who are experienced and good at what they do, we also still have different opinions on certain things. So you can bounce ideas and get get a couple ideas. You know, just because we all work at the same place doesn't mean we all think about everything exactly the same, right. just like shooting different broadheads and yep. stuff. You know, you can heavy arrow, front of center, all that. And you, we utilize that as a tool. Right. You know, yep, we exactly. can kind of see the path that the customer's coming down and we can kind of go, hey, Let's ask Keith real quick. You know, right. he yep, shoots exactly. and, or he hunts with this or he shoots this. And, you know, a lot of guys will ask about releases. Right. And, and they'll get kind of steered towards me or Dan. Yep. Absolutely no problem with that. Right. The, the atmosphere that we provide, and I am being a little bit cocky right now, but we're not overselling a fishing boat or a clam ice house. Right. And then back to a fly rod. We're 100% archery, archery and yep. archery hunting. Yep. And we can provide not only the expert service, <clears throat> but it, we're dang good at what we do. <laughs> well, and, and we stand, like, you know, some people ask, you know, that are kind of new to it that come in and want help. And, you know, they say, well, you know, how do I get this sighted in? You know, and I said, well, we're going to do that before you leave. <clears throat> you know, so the bow is tuned and set up. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we take pride in what we do, I think, is the biggest thing. You know. and, and that's the thing is, is I don't want people to be intimidated. Um, last week, let's just use some examples. I had a lady come in who has shotgun hunted her entire life, wants to get into archery. Mm -hmm. It was a two-hour process because we can see where things are going and we know not to overload. Like, I didn't step in and say, you really need to worry about FOC, <laughs> you know? <laughs> We make it comfortable. Yep. Um, you had a lady that had never shot a bow in her life. Right. Ever. Walked out with a great setup. I was very, very happy. You had her sighted in. You actually, I think her and her husband were shooting. Yep. <clears throat> and w so it's not an intimidating, you don't have to be a professional archer. Right. We're um, here to help. We're here to help on anything. 
we have people come in all the time asking about camel. Right. Asking about, you know, the Sitka systems or the mystery ranch packs, uh, trail cameras, you know, every little aspect. Yeah, you can get online and get reviews, but are they one-sided reviews? You know, who are they legitimate? Right. And if, if there's, if you can stump us, we love it. Right. Yeah. Well, just an example last night, uh, gentleman picked up, uh, some trail cameras that Jake set aside for him and he was with Cuddy, <clears throat> Cuddy Link and yep. he was, he was intimidated by the system and Jake went through and got everything programmed for him. And then when he picked them up, I, you know, I got him online here and, and got him, got his account set up for him and helped him through. And, yep. you know, he's way more comfortable walking out with them now. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> as far as like we were talking about stumping us, uh, we, I built a set of arrows for a gentleman who's a pretty good shooter. And we're setting up his field arrows, but he's shooting a hunting bow. And I think it was my second visit with him. That was a long, long time. And we had to figure out what was wrong. We right. had to figure out why his tuning was. And we did everything. We took the bow down to nothing. Right. And then built it back up. We switched the D loop and the knocking points and we switched knocks. Yep. <clears throat> we, yeah. We worked through it. You know, it's, it's not. And it had to come down to grip. Um, right. We were orientating the bow a little too much one way or the other. Yep. Once we figured and it did. Uh it took it took a while. <laughs> but it, it was a challenge that we love to try to figure out. Because we archery's not complicated unless you make it complicated. Right. You know, and it normally we have tons of kids that come in, we have a ton of league shooters. Everybody gets handled individually for your setup. With that being said, uh I know that we answered. We only took 20 of the questions. Keith and Dan, you guys did a great job on that. And I like we were saying before is I think we're going to do this about every two months because there's so many questions. And we're just giving little three, five, six-minute answers. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. You know, and it's nice for us to – we can look at each other and, you know, just like every day, you know, we bounce everything off each other and yep. get through them. And it's Absolutely. enjoyable. It's nice because I didn't know any of these until we sat down, so that's good. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. We didn't uh, prep anybody. We just wrote them down and, and went on. And, again, thanks to every, all of our listeners for sending them in. If I didn't get to them, like I said, there was like 65 questions. A lot of them were duplicates. There's some that I didn't answer because we're, A, going to cover them in future podcasts, or, B, it just wasn't a question that we're comfortable talking about because it would take 30, 40, 50 minutes to break down the question and go through the question with you, which we'd be more happy to do in the shop or we'll do over the phone, yep. but, uh, or it'll be just its own, its own podcast. Yeah. But, uh, on behalf of everybody at archery country, we surely appreciate you listening in and, uh, looking for a very, very cool year. Any input that you guys have, just comment on Facebook, or get a hold of us via email and check it out. We are archery country and we'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.